Such a good series that we kicked off two weeks ago, Come As You Are. It is the DNA of who Jesus is. He didn't come to any of his disciples and say, change everything you're doing, change everything about you, fall down on your knees and repent to me, and then come and follow me. All he said to them was come. Come as you are and follow me. And in the following, we get better and better, stronger and stronger. We got to get the fish in the boat before we can even think about cleaning them and then even think about enjoying them. Are you with me? And so we know that Jesus had that culture. He had that DNA. He built that atmosphere around him. In other words, why else in the world would prostitutes and tax collectors and, and, and all kinds of walks of life love to be around Jesus? The religious didn't like to be around Jesus. But everybody else did. The hard workers, the blue-collar people, those that were business owners, they all wanted to be around Jesus. Those in the medical profession wanted to be around Jesus. It was only the religious and the religious only that felt very uncomfortable about it. And that's what we talked about last week. Because Jesus didn't like religion at all. And Jesus took every moment he could to correct those that were religious and show them a way to be better and teach us how not to ever become that religious spirit. And we talked about that last week, how to avoid, how to, how to keep from allowing religion to jump into us because Jesus said religion is man-made ideas, taught to people as commands from God. But the religious leaders, they're not even willing to walk a step in the mile that they're commanding you to walk. So God is not about religion. Jesus is not about religion. He's about a relationship. He wants a relationship with his people. And we all base it off the verse that where he says, come to me. We looked at it on the screen in the video. Come to me and I will give you rest. What he says there and the one we're looking at, it says, and I will teach you how to take a real rest. So I want to talk to you today about three different types of rest that we find in the Bible. We find three different types of rest, and we want to make sure that we understand the difference between those three and also how to utilize at least two of them. One of them is good, but it's not the optimal kind of rest that we want. We want to take the first two steps, but we're going to kind of sandwich the one that's not so good in between the others that are really good. And the first one I want to talk to you about is probably one of the most underestimated but also misunderstood promises of God that God gives to each and every single believer. He gave every one of us a very special promise, and most of us, some of us may not even know what the word means. And most of us, if we know the word, we misunderstand what that looks like and what that word means to us. So I want to just jump in to Exodus chapter 34 and verse 21. God says, six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. On the seventh day. It's a command from God. It's a promise from God, but it's also a command from God. Then look what he says. In plowing time and in harvest time, you shall rest. What does that mean? How many of you are farmers? Okay, a few of you, a couple of you, but most of us are not. 
I'm not a farmer. I have no idea what this means without the Holy Spirit giving me revelation. You know what he's telling you? He doesn't care how busy your season is. He doesn't care how much work has to be done. He doesn't care how much you think you have to do. You must obey the day of rest. That day of rest is called the Sabbath. And the Sabbath, it seems like, and it sounds like, and most people believe, oh, that's an Old Testament thing. Well, we're going to talk about it today all the way throughout the New Testament. And we're going to talk about more than this. This is going to go in to the first way to rest. The Sabbath, the word, it means to rest. And what the word rest means is to desist from exertion. So in other words, whatever exerts you, stop doing that for one day out of the week. If, if God Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth, if he needed a day of rest, don't you think we do? And I'm going somewhere with this. Some of you are like, man, I came in here to get like this amazing, super spiritual idea of rest. We're going to cover that at the end. But right now we're going to cover the promise that God's given each of us that if we'll obey it, our lives will look completely different a year from now, even a week from now, three weeks from now. And I'm going to show you why in just a minute. So number one for today, the first way to rest is intentional rest. And that's meaning I'm going to be determined that I'm going to rest. And I'm going to cover what in the world does this have to do with Jesus saying, come to me and I will teach you how to rest. I believe that Jesus is talking about two types of rest. First being a supernatural rest that you can't do anything about. You come to him, you give him your burden. You give him your guilt, your shame, your pain, and he gives you back a supernatural rest. We're going to cover that with number three. But he says, I'm going to teach you how to rest. And this is what I believe he's talking about. He's going to teach you how to obey the Sabbath and the importance of what the Sabbath means to each and every one of our lives. So in Hebrews 4, chapter 1, because this is now the new covenant. God's, everybody say it, promise. It's a promise from God. God's promise of his rest. So let's just pause there for a second. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Pause. Jesus said, I will teach you how to rest. Is Jesus God? Yes. Answer that's yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, big yes. Remember, Jesus is God. The Father is God. The Spirit is God. But Jesus is not the Father. The Father is not the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Son. They are all three different entities, but yet they all make up God, Elohim. So Jesus is God. So God is promising, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. And we get all excited because here comes that supernatural rest. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. I don't want anybody to fail to experience entering God's promise of his rest. Are you here? But what's his promise of rest? Here's the key. It's not the supernatural kind. It's the intentional kind. 
He goes on throughout Hebrews 4 and teaches all about the Sabbath and says that the Sabbath belongs to God's people. It doesn't belong to the world. So the Sabbath is an intentional rest, but I'm going to show you how it produces supernatural results. Why? Because you're obeying God. You're obeying God, and in turn, God is blessing you because favor follows obedience. So you got to take the intention of rest to be able to get the supernatural kind of rest given to you. Are you with me? So we're going to look at it here because he goes on in verse 9 through 11. So there is a, everybody say it, special rest. Oh, I want the special kind of rest. There's a lot going on in life. I need some special rest. So there is a special rest. Look at this now. Still waiting for the people of the world? No. The people of this earth? No. The people of the devil? No. It is still waiting for the people of God. So there is a special rest waiting on anybody who belongs to God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. Look at this now. Now we get the clear picture. He's not talking about just some some phantom supernatural rest that you just got to hope and pick and pray that one day you're going to experience it. He's talking about an intentional rest that you choose that you're going to live your life by and enter into. Just as God did after creating the world. So he's telling you, if God said it's important to him and he gave it to you, then it means it's just as much, if not more, important to you. So let us do our best to enter that kind of rest. What's enter that rest? To enter that day off. Not day off, that day of rest. And I'm going to talk to you in a minute about the difference between we're taking a day off and taking a day of rest. But if we disobey God, because we already know it was an obedient act to take the day of rest. If we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. Man, I don't want to fall, do you? Thank you, three of you don't. The rest of you are like, I don't know, it just depends on how hard the fall is. Like, the righteous fall down seven, but stand up eight, preacher. I don't want to have to fall. And I don't want to intentionally fall. So if I want to keep myself from falling, or from falling, then I got to obey God. And if I'm going to obey God, i got to enter that rest. And what is that rest? That rest is taking that special day of rest that I set aside and dedicate to God and myself. It's not about working. It's not about toiling. It's not about stressing. It's about literally entering in to God's rest. And God, in turn, is going to then supernaturally bless you and restore your soul lead you beside still waters, take you through the valley and let nothing harm you, prepare a table for you. And are you hearing me in the midst of your enemies? He's going to anoint your cup. It will overflow. It will drip all over your head down to the, down to the bottom of your feet. And surely all the days of your life, goodness and mercy shall follow you, follow you because favor follows obedience. Are y'all with me?
So you got to enter in to that day of rest. Don't just take a day off. Intentionally take a day of rest. We have seven days. Most of us work a five to six day work schedule. If you work a five day schedule, use the sixth day to get all your other work done that exerts you that stretches you out, that empties you, but make sure that you take one day a week just to do rest. America set it up like this on purpose. Do you know in the Jewish culture, their day begins at like 7, 8 o'clock at night? And here's why. Because they want to enter into rest before they have to do their day. We have the mentality, I need to rest from how exhausting my day was. So here's what we feel like. We did a hard day's of work. We just want to come home and we just want to collapse and fall down and end our day with getting some sleep. And they have a different mentality. They have a mentality of, no, I'm going to prepare myself for the day by resting first. So Sunday is the first day of the week in America. And what that day should be is your day of rest. Now, if you're in a profession where you have to work on Sundays, then you just have to mix it. I... I'm in a profession where I work on Sundays. I take my day of rest on Friday. Friday is my day of rest because I'm going to prepare, pray, and do everything I need to do on Saturday for Sunday, and then I'm coming into Sunday charged up, ready to go, and then I work the week, and then I take my day back off on Friday. So my day of rest is Friday. I'm looking to move it, but my day of rest right now is Friday. It's a moving target for me, but the most important thing is, is you take a day and do it strategically. Do it intentionally. Make sure that day makes the most sense for you. Let me show you Mark 2, 27. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. And what does that mean? The Sabbath wasn't made for you to worship it. The Sabbath wasn't made for you to obey the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for the Sabbath to obey you. In other words, I intentionally take the day of rest, and the day of rest is going to bless me. So God made it for you. He didn't make it as just some standard rule, and I'm going to show you why. Scientifically proven. This is not anything to do. This didn't come out of any Christian article. This came out of science proven methods scientific proven methods look at this here's what taking one day off a week does for you it reduces stress increases circulation reduces inflammation reduces the risk of heart disease boosts your immune system restores mental energy increases creativity increases focus improves short-term memory. No wonder why you keep forgetting where your keys are all the time. And then this last one's a big one. It adds years to your life. It adds years to your life. Here's what the study showed. For every week that you don't take a full day of rest, you take off anywhere from a week to a month off your lifespan. That's crazy. That's like super crazy. So if I work 50, if I go a year without taking a day off, I've just shaved a minimum of a year off of my entire life, but most likely I might have shaven about five years off. And I don't know about you, like 
I want to live as long as I can. If Jesus takes me tomorrow, I'm good with that because I won't know any difference. I'll just know amazing, right? But to live as Christ, to die is gain. So I want to live as long as I can so I can continue to do good for my God, my family. Are you with me? So I want to do that, but to do that, i got to take care of me. And the way I take care of me is to enter in. So that's the first day. Y'all got it? It's an intentional day of rest. I encourage you. I implore you. And I challenge you. Do it. Take Sundays if you can. If you can't take Sundays, figure out another day. But take Sundays if you can. And just come to church. Get filled up. And then go and just do whatever it does to bring joy or rest to your soul and your body. And watch how Monday, instead of, you know how everybody hates Monday? Like, not everybody, but a lot of people really don't like Monday. Miserable Monday is the nickname for it. It won't feel like that anymore. Mondays don't feel like that to me. Mondays feel to me, I can't wait to get prepared for Wednesday and Saturday and all the stuff that we have to do in between. Because I'm entering into that rest. So there's another kind of a rest, if you don't want to do this kind, that you can in, in, encounter, I guess, experience. And this is the not-so-fun rest, and that's called the forced rest. Psalm 23, 1 through 2, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my father. He's my keeper. I shall not want. If I don't obey the Sabbath, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Daniel said to me this morning, hey, pastor, you're an expert at this one. I am. I do obey the Sabbath, but outside of that, I think all other rest is for sissies. That's not true. It's not really, but that's just what I think. It's not even what I think. I just don't know how to turn off. He makes me lie down. I've been made to lie down more times than I can remember. There's times, I remember when I broke my neck, I was, I was determined that I was going to be a minister, but I was also going to finish my career in the Marine Corps. And then I broke my neck and I wondered what in the heck is going on. And then I realized this is my time to lie down in green pastures and have my, my soul restored so he can lead me and I can stop trying to lead myself. Are you with me? This is, this is what God can do. Now, it doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't mean he's going to break your neck. That sounds real bad. He may, but he may not, right? The point is, would you rather go into intentional rest or just burn out, have nothing left to give, and have to be made to lie down? I would much rather do intentional rest. And then there's a third kind of rest. And this is the kind of rest that Jesus began talking about, not just the Sabbath, but this is a result of the Sabbath. When you honor the Sabbath, you're guaranteed to get this kind of rest. But this is also, this third kind of rest is also the kind of rest that you can't explain. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know how it came, but you just know you got it and you never want to lose it. I entered into this next kind of rest on the first Sunday of December of last year. We have been up against it with the building, with the land, my, my, my wife's health. Everything was just going in the wrong direction. My throat started giving me problems. Everything was just going in the wrong direction, and I just didn't know what to do anymore. And I cried out to God, God, I don't know if I've got enough fight in me to keep fighting like this. And you know what he said to me? Good. What? Stop fighting. 
You preach the message. The battle's not yours. The battle is the Lord's. So why are you fighting? How about just resting and let me do the fighting? I'm like, okay, cool. Like, totally in for that. Some of y'all remember this testimony. I said yes to rest. I said yes to stop fighting, to stop trying to make things happen. That's what I mean by fighting. Trying to push through and make it happen instead of just trusting God and his timing to make it happen. And God put a rest on me that I'm telling you, for everything that I've been experiencing and everything the devil's thrown at us and everything the devil's thrown directly, he is at my front door with a sledgehammer and I'm sleeping in the back room right now, not even caring. Because I know that Jesus has got my door. Do you hear me? So that kind of rest is called supernatural rest. And that is, it's beyond natural. It's beyond explanation. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing that you can do to receive it other than just surrender to God and say, I want it. I need it. And I'm here. I'm laying my life down as a living sacrifice. I want it to be holy and pleasing unto you. It is my reasonable service not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I may know and do the good, acceptable, and perfect will of my Father. That's Romans 12, 1 1 through 2, right? So we want that kind of rest. Look at Isaiah 40, verses 30 through 31 says, Even youth. Even young people, they'll become weak, they'll become tired. We know that the generation we're facing, we can say amen to this, right? So even the youths will become weak and become tired. Young men, they'll fall in exhaustion. But those who do what? Trust in the Lord. They will find new strength. That's a supernatural strength you can't get from nobody else. That's a supernatural strength you can't find on your own. Can't work for it. Can't earn it. But those, all you got to do is trust him for it. If I trust him for it, I'll find it. That new strength. And what does that new strength do for me? It causes me to soar high on wings like eagles. I will run and not grow weary. I will walk and not faint. Remember we talked about if we don't take the rest, we're guaranteed to fall. Here comes the supernatural strength that keeps us from falling. We take that coupled with the intentional rest, and the next thing you know, you're going to be walking out a perpetual blessed life of rest. Every single day, every single week, every single moment, no matter what. I'm telling you, through this last season of my life, I can't explain it. Here's all I can tell you. No matter what comes, I'm okay, because I know he's proven to me he's got me. He's proven to me that this is truly his fight and not mine. I know I have to do my part. I know that I have to do my part, but here's my part. I've got to intentionally rest, and then I've got to trust him to enter the supernatural rest. And then I'll soar, and then I'll run, and then I'll walk. I won't won't grow weary. I won't faint. I won't fall down. I'll be able to rest in him, and that supernatural rest is going to pick me up and take me exactly to where God has called me to go. And God wants to do the same exact thing for each and every one of you. And the only one that can do it for you is Jesus himself. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Do you believe that? Come on, can we thank Jesus for his word?